you've been paying attention to the exponential explosion of technology, how artificial intelligence, big data, sensor technology, and all the other forms of technologies that are just coming together and rapidly changing our world. And I've been fascinated by the question, how is this technology gonna affect our health? How is it going to optimize our vitality and our experience of our life? And when I started looking around at who the experts were, who the best people to learn from were, I found Josh Trent, today's guest, he is the host of Wellness Force Radio. You can find him at wellnessforce.com. And Josh is at the forefront of this intersection of health, fitness, wellness, and technology, and how it's all going to come together in the future, and how we can best spend our time and money and effort utilizing what's available now, but also what is to come. And Josh has a fascinating story about how he got to this point. So you're going to hear about his journey from an overweight kid into a fitness professional and into someone who's at the frontier of this intersection of technology and health and wellness. You're also going to learn what the best apps are, what the best technologies are that are available now for you to experiment with, to see if they can help you improve your health and optimize your life. So I'm super excited to have him today. I consider Josh a friend. We've been going back and forth quite a while and exchanging ideas and talking about what our plans are. We're even going to be speaking at the same event in August. So get ready to learn how to change old habits with new technology with Josh Trent. Josh Trent, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Ted. This is going to be so amazing, man. Thanks for having me on. I know we're both in high spirits. We had to hop on. We were talking too much before, just so much great energy going on. We had to lay it down on this podcast so others could benefit from listening as well. And if you don't know who Josh Trent is, he hosts Wellness Force Radio. You can find him at wellnessforce.com. I really am happy to have him on today because Josh has this very interesting mix of being really into the technology of fitness. And also he has a very spiritual side. So Josh, I'm so excited to dive into this today, man. Thank you for being here. Thank you again for having me. I feel the exact same way about the excitement level. I think it's a perfect time to talk about this, not only in our lives, but also what the world needs. Absolutely. And let's kick things off with getting into your journey, man. You have a hero's journey story just like I do. And it's very interesting. It's very different. But one thing you and I have in common is we both had mentally ill mothers. And that kind of set the stage for you. Can you talk about like growing up, how it shaped you? And then we'll get into all the the wellness force and digital health stuff that you're into now. Yeah. Looking back, the issues that my mom had and still has, which was manic bipolar, really allowed me to become a great personal trainer. Uh, 
because I realized when I'm a kid, those first seven years of life for everyone are so moldable and so important. It's where we develop the skills and sets and frames that we'll put up to just have the game of life happen the way that those frames were set in the beginning. So when I'm that age, I was not necessarily given the psychological, the physiological tool sets that were really going to be fundamental for my growth and, and healthy complementary living. So at that age, with her illness, I wasn't really able to have a headquarters of trust. You know, the trust was always an issue for me when I was a kid. I couldn't really believe what she would say sometimes because she didn't really know what she was saying either sometimes. And anyone that's listening to Legendary Life, you'll know that mental illness is something that's really challenging, not only for the person that has the illness, but also for everyone around them, their family, their community, their colleagues. So I'm that age, I'm dealing with that. And I kind of just had this decision point way later in life. And I realized at that age, because of my mom's illness, and because my dad wasn't around, he was dealing with some things that he didn't receive tool sets from his parents, which is you and I get to break the chain, we all do, that I developed these three really strong beliefs. The first one was people can't be trusted. The second was money is bad, money is evil because my dad wasn't around, he was making money, so people that make money are bad. And the third one was expect the worst to happen. I mean, these are crazy beliefs, these are really heavy beliefs. And to no surprise, like with these beliefs in place, my adolescence and sports happen. I found an outlet there, but I just needed this coping mechanism to deal with these beliefs. These are heavy beliefs. Like imagine wearing a backpack filled with 50 pounds when you're nine years old. It's kind of heavy. So I found a coping mechanism and that mechanism was food. If I was angry, I would eat. If I was stressed, I would eat. If I was sad, I would eat a carne asada burrito. But the reality was is that I needed a way to feel that breath, that breath that we all want to feel, that breath that everything is going to be okay. And food became that vehicle for me to feel like everything was going to be okay. So to no surprise, like with this mindset, with these beliefs and with this coping mechanism that I had learned, I'm 21 years old and I'm 280 pounds and I'm hating my life. I hate how I feel in my body. I'm in a relationship I don't want to be in. I'm at a job I don't want to be in. I was actually a Mercedes Benz technician. So really great job making great money, but just spiritually decaying in the middle. And so I just remember I was at a party one night and I was, I was drinking because alcohol is a great way to numb when you're not sure of your purpose and you can just kind of check out. And I just slammed the cup down. I had tried to lose weight a couple of times and I realized I can't do, I can't be here drinking. This isn't right. And I had this lightning bolt where I just started running home. I ran home for like two or three miles drunk. <laughs> that night, got home, flipped out the computer, started researching, how do I change my body for the long term? How do I feel better? And that led me to the next year of kind of weight loss up and down 90 pounds, starvation diet, which a lot of people go through. Then I became so frustrated really with my mom's illness, the things I wasn't receiving, these beliefs I was carrying and not having the knowledge and education about health and, and sustainable behavior change that I just saved up $10,000, quit my job, moved to Hawaii. I'm in Hawaii, I'm working out at a gym and a fitness manager came up to me and said, you know, I've seen you working out, you should think about being a trainer. And I, and I said, what's a trainer? So that's, that's how I learned about that this field even existed and it was just this beautiful way for me to help people on a road of self-discovery that I was already on myself. How do we become more well? How do we become more healthy? And that sparked to eight, 10 years in gyms, running teams, working with people, having my own business. That's kind of the, the origin of the first half of my training world and my training story is going through these 
on my own and kind of learning what it is to not just get away from the pain, but also to use the pleasure and the love as a fuel for me as well. Yeah. And I want to dive into what you're up to today because you're the guy when I started looking around for, okay, what is the future of fitness? How is all this technology going to influence fitness? I found Josh Trent. You're the guy, at least for me, right? I, I know we're part of like fitness council and technology and all that, but you have a podcast on this. And if you're interested in fitness and technology, you got to check out Josh's show. It's really excellent and informative when it comes to that subject, among many others. But Josh, in your story where you were dealing with your mom, and I know how that is. My mom thought that our house was bugged and wrote letters to my dad, even though they were divorced, talking about crazy stuff. And we, like you said, you ended up with these, these beliefs about people, about the world. And you made the connection that, oh, my identity being overweight, being in a job that although it pays me well, makes me feel like I'm not doing what I need to be doing in the world. How did you make the connection there? Because a lot of people are, they're going through life asleep and they have the same limiting beliefs, but they don't recognize that they have them. How did you figure that out? I think that your audience deserves the ultimate truth because it's going to be of service the most. So I'll tell you the radical truth and then I'll tell you the lesson from that radical truth. The radical truth was is that the reason I lost weight the first time around and I moved to Hawaii is because I just thought that when I moved to a new environment that everything would change and everything would be better. But if anyone's listening that can recognize wherever you go, there you are. And I so took true. all my stories, all my beliefs with me. Just because you change your environment does not mean your life changes. You take the mental framework that you brought into it in that suitcase. So that was kind of the beginning of it. I was trying to get away from the pain, trying to get away from how terrible I felt in my body. I didn't get any attention from females. I wasn't happy in my physical self. I was, you know, I'm a young guy. Like I wanted female attention. I wanted to feel good. I wanted to be a masculine energy in the world. So that was the beginning. So it was coming from this very primal, very reptilian brain type thing. Then after years of working with people, I started to get more of a empowerment from the love side of it, from seeing the change in other people. That compelled me to stay in better physical shape myself. That compelled me to search for new knowledge and to really what I think is the beginning of my, of my ultimate transformation, which is learning how to use love instead of fear and anger as a way to motivate health and wellness. A lot of people use anger and fear to get temporary gains in muscle or temporary loss in weight, but it comes right back and it comes right back with interest. So the only thing that can really sustainably change us is using love and compassion and that as a source for fuel. That was kind of that spark point when you ask what was the moment or what was the thing? That was it. Initially, it was very reptilian driven. It was very primal brain. And then after that, it became the recognition of, okay, because I'm taking these imperfect steps and learning and doing all these things, now I'm starting to see that it's really the love and the joy that can fuel me for the long term. So when you say the reptilian brain, and that's not something I've talked a lot about on this show, the, the triune brain theory and the mammalian brain, reptilian brain, you know, and our, our prefrontal cortex. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean there? In the reptilian brain, I, I learned this concept from Paul Check. He's a really top of the world holistic health coach here in San Diego. In the reptilian brain, you have three main 
points that your that your mind focuses on and that you really have to get satisfied. It's shelter, procreation, and fuel, food. So if those three things in the reptilian brain are taken care of, then you can break into the other hierarchies of need from Maslow. You can get into self-actualization. You can get into contribution. You can get into discovery. But until those three reptilian sections are taken care of, it's almost impossible to evolve as a human being, which is why you see so many people living in scarcity because they're trying to satisfy the three things of the reptilian brain. That's really my belief as to what holds society back. We're half oh. human, half spirit. Right. Oh man, I'm I'm on the same page with you. So like, by the way, if you're listening, this is the second time that Josh and I have connected and every time I talk to him, I'm like, yes. And I have the same belief. We're so driven by what we, by fear, the, the media, the doom and gloom. And is the economy going bad or is it going to be good? And while we're in that stress, that state of distress in our sympathetic nervous system is firing off and we're pounding down coffee and driving through traffic and going to jobs we don't like. We're just, the only thing you can kind of hope for is like you mentioned before, just to drink some of that away. So we feel good. And man, alcohol is something, I mean, I don't know if you were out for St. Patrick's day. I, I don't really drink that much anymore, but people pound it away. And sometimes it's in celebration, but a lot of times it's just that escape. I have to say this one point. You bring up sure. something really pivotal in our society, and this relates to technology and health and wellness too. When people have energy or a charge that's stuck, whether it's an emotional charge or a physical charge from an injury, it's just energy that needs to be released. So there's many ways that we can release that energy. Green beer on St. Patty's Day is a, a way that's easy to release stress because you get to get drunk and forget about the stress. It comes out sideways though. And that happens with interest and that happens with negative things that occur later on. So there's many ways to get out the stress. I think we the most we are the most stressed we've ever been as a society, ever. And I say that because yes, 100 to 200 years ago, there was more stress about how we were gonna eat food and basic necessities. But now we have to take care of those three reptilian things as well as we're all aware that we have the technology and the mindset and the power and the tools to step into those hierarchies of needs. And there's just such an, a tremendous amount of stress between satisfying all of these. The more evolved we come, we become as people, I think the more stress that, that dives into that when we're taking care of just those bottom three, because we're so aware that the others exist. Let me ask you this, because I heard on a documentary about status anxiety, social anxiety in America in particular, we all have this pressure to become entrepreneurs or become financially successful or to get in great shape. Obviously, some of that has got to be good because it puts a bit of fire underneath us to push us forward in a positive direction, generally positive direction. Where do you view the sweet point for that? Where it becomes, where it's positive and then where it becomes a negative? I feel like the, by the way, stress is, is healthy and good with Without it, we would die. We need stress, you know, hormesis and that whole cycle of looking at biology. But there's eustress and there's distress. Eustress being a solid workout with a great trainer or a hike with your family. Dis, oh my God, I've fallen into a well. <laughs> I need to survive. So the, the amount of stress that we can take, I believe, is unique on everyone's genetics, the epigenetics of their environment and how those genetics react to the environment. And then also just a predisposition to how they learned about life when they grew up as a child. 
And I guess there's some play with the epigenetics there. So I think that there's no easy answer when it comes to how much stress is enough and how much stress is too little. It's so unique for every person. I feel like the amount of stress we can handle is completely dependent on our physiological health in the moment of receiving that stress. And physiological health has many arms that can grow it or, or, or kill it. Yeah, so true. And I feel like that's been my claim to fame. I feel like because of what I've been through in my life, I don't really have that high of a tolerance for stress. And people look at me like, wow, you're, you're this you know, confident guy and you're, you're in really good shape. And it's like, eh, that may what it seem like. But for me, it's like building up reserves to deal with a lot of the stress that I have to deal with. And I'm constantly on the search for managing that level of stress and also upping my hedonic set point, upping my happiness point. So it takes a lot more to drag me back to a, a dark place. I love that you said reserves because that's so true. So if our energy literally like we are a battery, our body is a battery, so is our brain. So we only have a certain capacity for the amount of energy or work we can do, right? Some people get tired at 12 reps. Some people get tired at 20, but everyone's unique. So you saying that is so true. Like everyone has a different depth of their well as to what they can experience. And it's just having that real conversation and saying, hey, this is the kind of person that I am. I can handle this type of stress for this amount of time. And once I get past that, it starts to elevate my cortisol. It starts to lessen the impact of my quality relationships in my life. So it's like being vulnerable, being open to having that real conversation about what you can and cannot handle and not falling into the kind of testosterone driven fitness industry where unless you're flexed with a spray tan six pack, then you're not accepted. Or if you're a dad, you have to be a weekend warrior and be a CEO and take care of your family. Or if you're a mom, you have to look this certain way. No, that's not okay. And that's not what the industry needs. So it all dives back to people not listening to their capacity for stress. Yeah, listening to your capacity for stress, being self-aware and knowing your limits and not comparing yourself to others just because someone else can go on four hours sleep like Jack Dorsey at Twitter says that and Marissa Mayer. Yeah, that ain't me for sure. Well, Josh, me neither. Yeah, right? No. In fact, it's funny because a lot of people who get into the fitness industry have stories like, like ours. It's a way to kind of heal ourselves. It's not just because we want to be all jacked bros. Yeah. So it's, it's survival. It's yeah. really a, a it's really so a block true. of survival. It's yeah. like a way that we can not only help other people and create purpose in our lives and create an impact but also survive and learn how to thrive. And it's not a pity party. There's no victimhood. It's like listen, we're all dealt different cards. So let's play the absolute best game we can. Oh man, Josh, you and I, we got to hang out sometime, man. I feel like we could talk for hours. Let's bring this back to your story. So you talked about the limiting beliefs. You talked about the big move to Hawaii, quitting your job. You got into fitness. You mentioned a mentor that both of us share, Paul Check, who's a brilliant and pretty crazy out there guy. Just a, a guy who's had a lot of influence on a lot of fitness professionals. So that's really cool. Talk about your journey from that point, what you learned, how you started taking care of yourself. Then we'll get to the fitness tech part. When I found out about Paul Check's work, it was 
actually in 2008 from another mentor that I have, and it's Sean Croxton from Underground Wellness. And he introduced me to Paul Check. And in 2008, I had been training for, I don't know, five or six years. And, and I thought that more was more and that effort was something where if we turned up the needle, we'd get greater results. And I started to see with clients that even when they were doing the right things in the weight room floor or cardiovascular training or modifying their workouts, they still weren't getting the results that they deserved. And I started to explore, okay, well, what else is there besides just diet and exercise? Like what else is out there in the world? And I think every trainer goes through this where, you know, the standard model of calories in versus calories out stops working. So eventually where that led me to was exploring other modes of healing, exploring other modes of training. And that's what Paul Check's work taught me. I took a test and I found that I was actually in stage three adrenal fatigue. I did a test through BioHealth. I became a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner in 2010. And I did that test and I was floored because I thought, wow, like maybe there's a reason why I'm exhausted at 5 a.m. when I wake up. I mean, I was literally exhausted, you know, 10 hours in the gym sometimes. And there, I wasn't practicing what I preached. I was working really hard. I would, the gas pedal was all the way to the floor and I was serving and I was serving and I was serving. And then I realized like, wow, some of that fuel to serve other people was because I was so coming from a place of scarcity and fear and anger about my past. Like that's really what, what it was about. And by me being in a place of being a personal trainer, I could shine light on everyone else and help everyone else. And the dark parts of myself that I didn't want to deal with they could just stay there. I didn't have to touch them. So that stage three adrenal fatigue really opened me up. It opened me up to a level of understanding, okay, I get to feel what is actually happening in my body now. I get to have my understanding of my capacity for stress. And that led me to going to yoga, meditating, working out, not necessarily hour of steady state cardio, doing shorter, more hit style workouts, and just evolving as a trainer and as a coach, understanding like what really works for me. And even when I did that, I actually think that I started too late because I just got burnt out being in the gym for that long. And just it just took me down this road of getting frustrated that my clients weren't getting the results they deserved. Also, I didn't learn the tools quick enough, but I did learn the tools. So that kind of led me into doing a couple other big life changes along the way, which eventually took me into being a digital health coach. But looking back, it was understanding that I have a hormonal system that I get to manage in addition to my workouts and my nutrition. Yeah, it's so important and, and a hard leap to make because our society, I mean, I was this way, more exercise is better, stay in there, hammer yourself. Oh, I didn't sleep well, I better go work out anyway. And then what you're talking about, the whole hormonal system, the fact that your cortisol levels need to be up in the morning to keep you awake and need to come down at night to allow you to fall asleep. And most of us need a pot of coffee in the morning, man, to get going. And at least that was my, my situation. I know it's a very common story. And then at night, you're exhausted, but you're also wired. You just lay there in bed. You can't even fall asleep. Tired and wired. Tired and wired. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's really cool. Where did the, the technology come in? This transition point in 2012, those beliefs I had talked about in the very beginning of the show, those caught up to me and I just hit a wall. I would find myself calling in sick for clients, not wanting to go to the gym because I was experiencing just exhaustion from a spiritual perspective because I never yeah. dealt with those childhood issues. So I quit. I left fitness for two years. 
And I thought, oh, why don't I go sell endurance sports software? And I worked for a technology company, which looking back, it was so perfect because it got me to be exactly where I am now. So anyways, I, I'm in this technology company. I'm learning about how tech can help people. And I'm having these moments where even though I was making great money, I just had this feeling inside of me that said, you're throwing away your dreams. What about your dreams? What about becoming somebody that helps a million people through wellness? That's my ultimate goal. And it just became this overpowering thing where I'd wake up in the morning and like money was coming in and everything was great, but I was spiritually dead. I had no mojo. <laughs> I had lost my mojo, baby. So it was gone. <laughs> and I just got to this point where I started thinking, well, look, I can't go back to just being in the gym, but I have to go back to coaching. Like it's, I literally like magnetizingly got pulled back to it. And luckily I had the opportunity to leave after two years of technology and I left. I had no real solid plan, but what I had discovered three months prior was a film. And this film was by two Olympic athletes, Sky and Tamara Christofferson, and they have a film called Personal Gold. I watched this film and it completely changed my viewpoint about how tech can serve humanity. In the film, these coaches is use quantified self and digital health technology to help the 2012 women's cycling team win a silver medal at the Olympic Games. And I'm watching them use this technology to help the athletes sleep and to help the athletes train and to help the athletes work out. And I'm realizing a week later, I'm driving home at the film. What if this technology can help the average person with their wellness in the same way that it helps Olympic athletes? And this lightning bolt kind of snapped for me. And I thought, this is what I'm going to do. And I was dating a girl at the time. I had her pull over. She pulled out her cell phone and I said, film me. And for 10 minutes, I just went off on the film about how I was going to launch a podcast about leveraging health for people through technology. And I was going to have a show where I brought on leaders that make the devices and I was going to have a coaching program. And that's what I've executed on. Like that moment after seeing the devices in that film is what really led me to getting back into what I believe is the industry that I was supposed to be in all along. It wasn't just fitness. It was wellness because wellness has so many limbs. Fitness is a very vital limb. Without fitness, you can't have wellness. But that's what I do now. So I'm a digital health coach. I use wearable technology as a keystone in my coaching programs that still focus on the other aspects. But the accountability portion is driven through the wearable technology. Wow, that's so cool. And we had to talk about this before and, and you turned me on to a few of your episodes. And if you're interested in wearable tech and technology and how it can influence and impact your health and fitness and your wellness, which is a really cool term. I'll get to that in a second. Make sure you check out Wellness Force Radio. Wellnessforce.com is the website. But you said something really important about fitness. And I think that when I was in my 20s, probably like a lot of people, you care about fitness. My muscles, how big are they? How defined are they? How low is my body fat? How badass am I? And then after a while, you're like, oh, I just, I'm beating the hell out of myself. I don't feel good. I'm looking great, but I'm feeling terrible. And you start to go through this process of understanding that there's more out there like you did with the stage three adrenal fatigue and learning about hormones. And I have a very similar story. It's, it's kind of cool that some of our, our parallels and then the difference between fitness and wellness. And I was looking at hashtags the other day on Twitter for fitness and on Facebook, and it's all ripped guys and girls with 
scantily clad and, you know, probably dieted down, perhaps juiced up. Nothing wrong with that. It is what it is. But then you look into wellness and it's just a different, there's more to it. It's less narcissistic. It's less about all that stuff. And of course, the way we look is important. The way we take care of ourselves and present ourselves is important. But it's just so much more than that. Um, that, That was just a thought that I had to follow up with when you said that. So Josh, you're a digital health coach now. You're using technology to, and you want to reach a, a million people with what you're doing. And that's such an awesome goal. How do you help people now with the technology? What do you help them dial in? Can you paint the picture of what it would be like to work with you? There's so much information out there that people become drowned in all the numbers and and sentences. So what I do in a nutshell is I focus on four pillars of health for people, what they drink, how they hydrate, what they eat, their serving sizes, not calories, how they move, their sedentary versus their active time and how they sleep, the quality of their sleep. Those are the four things that move the needle for people's wellness, well-being. All the other stuff is great. Beneath each of those columns, there's sub goals, there's subcategories, and that's fine. We dive into those. But as long as I have the client having all of those columns that are filled with green on the system that I use, I use a system called Nudge Coach. It's the only one that exists, in my opinion, that can really help trainers and coaches. And if I can have them use that system, they can message me through the system and we can have a conversation about their data in real time. I mean, imagine as a trainer, the one thing that always used to bother me at least was they'd come in two, three hours a week. And there was 165 hours a week where I just had no idea what Janet Smith was doing. And Janet would come in on a Tuesday at seven and I'd say, hey, Janet, how are you? How is your eating? Let's see your log. You know what, Josh? I've been really busy. I haven't had the time. Right. I haven't been able to track it or whatever it is. Uh, I've heard that now. One or a thousand times. Yeah. Exactly. Right. and, And it's not like these are great people. They're paying great money. Yep. They deserve to get results, but there's only so much a human being can do in a couple hours a week. Hey, I'm going to pay you great money, but in two or three hours a week, I want you to transform my entire life. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's just such. And a with only with column. exercise and speaking about other stuff while they're resting and panting in between sets. Right. Exactly. And, and a great trainer can get someone results, but I think what we're looking at is the bigger picture. There's always going to be outliers. I think the people that do really well with, with ma- the majority of trainers are the people that are open to kind of going that direction anyways. So there's always, always going to be a place for personal training, no matter what world we live in. I mean, I believe in it. On top of that, though, people get to leverage new technology to let go of some old stuff. And there's a broken paradigm in fitness, and it is the more gas you push down, the less calories you eat, the more you work out, the fitter you'll be. I mean, we have like President Bush back in the day saying, well, I don't know what the problem is and why people aren't losing weight. They need to just get on their bike more. And it's like, no, it's, that's not how the world works. There's many things that make someone hold on to weight. Actually, I got to give credit to Sean Stevenson. He's been a a quasi-mentor of mine, and I've listened to his show a bunch, and he said something so poignant. He said, we're not trying to lose weight. We Mm -hmm. already know where the weight is. We're letting the weight go. And I just love that so much. And I actually use that that sentence with my clients. I give them credit. But that's really what this program is about. It's about mirroring your activities. It's about seeing granularly with data how you show up. How do you sleep? How do you drink? How do you eat? How do you move? Let's quantify all that so we can see how you're doing, so we can give you an accountability mirror that you and I get to look at together. 
there's the client, there's their data. I'm over their shoulder saying, how can you and I get your data to reflect the health goals you're working towards? That's what it's all about. It's about using the data. So this isn't for just the analytical person. This is for the housewife who just wants to show up more powerfully in her behaviors. This is about behavior change. A lot of the questions that I ask clients in the beginning are modeled off of Charles Duhigg's work in The Power of Habit. Interesting. Yeah, talking about the three phases. You know, you have the cue or the trigger, which is someone stressed and they're at work. Then you have the mechanism or the action, which is they either grab a cupcake or go for a walk. Then you have the reward. And the reward is that feeling of everything is going to be okay. You know, which is the feeling we all want. Everybody wants to have that feeling. So it's not about changing the cue. The cue is always going to be there. We're not going to like stop having a life of stress. We just get to choose the middle piece. We get to choose the mechanism or the action piece. That's what this program is all about. It's having a, a system where they can message me through the system. It's, it's seeing their data. It's just understanding how we're living on a day-to-day -day basis and not making it this other role that I've seen some trainers. I know you would never be like this because you're an amazing trainer, but some trainers are like a drill instructor. You know, they'll oh, come in no. and kick people's asses for two hours. And there's no like real trust and care and compassion there. It's more like, hey, I want you to kick my butt twice a week. But that's that's not how transformation occurs. So the reason I believe in this health piece to, to wrap it up here is because we finally have a way for technology, which has robbed us of our movement, made us sedentary. Now, the other side of the sword is where technology can now serve us. It can it can give us reminders. It offers a safe portal for communication just about the health goal. And it gives us a way to be more mindful. Yeah, so cool, man. I'm excited to learn more from you. And as our relationship evolves and I listen to your show more, very, very interesting. And I had Chris Dancy on the show, who is known as the most connected man in the world. Do you, are you familiar with Chris? I met him just really briefly at the Quantified Self Conference. And I didn't really talk to him too much, though. I'm curious. I'll, I'll have to listen to that episode. Yeah, and I'd be happy to connect you. He's actually writing a book right now. He's got a bit of a, a dark take on things because of some of his personal experience. And we didn't get too much into it because I, I believe like what we talked about here, your mindset, perhaps there's something there. Or perhaps Chris is right and you, you and I were just naive, overly optimistic guys. I would like to believe that we, we have it together on that, but... A very interesting guy. So, and he lost a hundred pounds using all this sensor technology, really took it to the next level, but not really something that a guy like me, who's not super tech savvy is going to figure out on my own. So if you're listening to this and you remember Chris's interview or, and you heard about his story using tech, well, Josh is someone who uses tech, keeps it simple. The four pillars of health, hydration, movement, what were the others? The ha uh, the portion size you said, and you said yeah, sleep. servings, and then and then sleep, yeah. and then sleep. Awesome, yeah. So keeps it really simple, very cool. Let's talk about where you see this going because we're just at the start of this. What the World Economic Forum called the fourth industrial revolution, with machine learning and artificial intelligence, sensor technologies blowing up. And the price of everything is also coming down as the technology increases. Where do you see us in five, 10? I don't even know what, 
what period of time to ask you because you're the wellness tech guy. What, where do you see this taking? Can you paint a picture of the future? This is such a great focus for people because as we all know, 10 years ago, did the iPhone even exist? I think it maybe did, right? But no one really used it. Now people will die without their iPhone. And I believe that the wellness technology, not just the, the wearables we wear, but also wellness smart home technology, temperature control, lighting control, ambient lighting, security, everything's going to be integrated. I mean, maybe your wearable will even talk to your house and let your house know that you've taken a lot of steps today or you've done a lot of activity today so that we're going to lower the temperature in your bedroom and kind of preset it for the sleep chamber. Oh, so I like that. I think I yeah. think there's going to be a ton of things that interplay. There's going to be connected homes to connected devices to connected phones to connected everything. The Internet of Things, as it's called, is the fastest growing arm in technology. It's the Internet of Things where there'll be more connected devices than anything else in the world. That'll be the number one thing. Josh, explain that a little bit. Internet of things. I've heard it and yeah. I've actually had to explain to me a few times, but I, I don't know if I've really wrapped my head around it. Can you just explain what that is? So it's any device or application that's tied to the cloud. Okay. The cloud being the cloud being what everything Dropbox, Microsoft, Google. I mean, everything's wired to a cloud, which is interesting, though, because the cloud exists because there's a server somewhere. So there is, you know, football fields of servers that are buried in multiple thousands of cities across the world. So people don't realize that, like just because in a cloud doesn't mean the information's floating up there. <laughs> there's still servers that it's connected to. But the Internet of Things is devices and applications that have data that is synced to the cloud. And that's really what I think is going to be the pivoting movement for wellness and the fitness industry. You're already starting to see in clubs. Equinox was the first one that integrated with Apple's health program. You're seeing mm. Life Fitness. You're seeing the major chains that are already carrying wearables. You're seeing a lot of growth in how trainers and applications can use wearables. I interviewed the CEO of Lose It, which is a really popular weight loss app. And he and his company came out with this process called Ascend. It's a coaching backend called Ascend. It's really focused on calorie tracking, but it's with the use of a wearable. Digital health coaching, in my opinion, is brand new. There's been a few people that have dabbled in it. Fitbit had a program and then stopped it. Fitbit Orb had a program and then stopped it. There's a program called GoKey that's out there from India. It's just beginning. So if you're a fitness or wellness professional and you're listening to Legendary Life, it's really important that you start looking at these devices and apps that can leverage your business. Because at the end of the day, if you're gonna serve as many people as possible, you still get to be in the gym, but you get to use technology to help you serve more. Yeah, so fascinating. And oh man, I'm learning a lot right now. One thing that gets brought up often, you mentioned Fitbit, is that people start using wearable technology, then end up ditching it. Now, is that because they just didn't know what to do with the data, didn't know how to make it meaningful. Maybe the data wasn't meaningful to them or was it because they've changed their behavior? Can you just talk about that whole thing and, and that idea that we may be tracking stuff right now? Because the only thing I track is HRV on, with BioForce. It's the only thing I'm tracking right now. Can you talk a little bit about that whole phenomenon? Well, this is such a phenomenal question. 
because it applies to three different types of people, I guess you could say. So let's take the question and then break it down. There's the first type of person that has a monumental goal. They want to let go of 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 70 pounds. They have like a, a really solid goal they're trying to achieve. How technology relates to them is totally different than the weekend warrior who's kind of at their weight goal. They're not looking for a composition change. They're just looking for performance. And then, of course, there's the person who's way above. There's the Olympic athlete type person that's using advanced wearable technology and wearable sensors, wearable T-shirts, impact socks with sensors for gait pattern. I mean, just insane stuff. Most of the people and pretty much all the people that I work with are in category one. They're just looking for this body composition change. And so the reason why people buy the Fitbit and then it goes in the kitchen drawer six months earlier is because there's no human to human connection. The technology is great. It's powerful. But the intention behind the technology is three times more powerful than the technology itself. If you don't have the right intention, the right consciousness, the right coach behind the tech, of course the tech's going to get boring. There's no meaning. There's no intention. There's no rationale as to why you'd continue to use it because there's no construct. There's no framework for that intention to grow and, and a community to grow. So I feel like these devices, the only way they're going to be successful is if coaches can create an ecosystem, meaning there's a community, there's a leaderboard, there's interaction, and it's all centered around conversations from the data itself. Well, then the data takes on more meaning because then the zeros and ones actually have a purpose as to why they're there in the first place, which is a mirror of mindfulness. But without that structure, without a professional really dialing in what the numbers mean, having conversations around the numbers. Here's, here's a great example. If someone has 30 days of history and you notice that every Tuesday and every Friday, their steps are low and their sleep is poor. Well, now you can have conversations about just Tuesday and Friday. You don't have to ask these huge questions that make people feel pressure. You can just ask a really detailed, concise question as a trainer or a coach as to how can we get that day together to be in the green, to look more in alignment with the health goal you're working towards. That's powerful. That makes people wear the device. But when there's no coach, when there's no connection, when there's no community, why would you wear a device? Yeah, that makes so much sense. It seems obvious now that you say it, but I was wondering, yeah, there's different types of people with different goals. And why do people give up on tech? It's because there's no connection, no way to make it. They don't have the skills or knowledge to make it meaningful for them. Yeah, and there's novelty. There's novelty because you think, oh, cool, I'm going to use this new wearable and it's so fun and it's got a heart rate monitor. And that's great for a while. You just flashed me something. What wearable you got there? This is the, I take it off for typing, but this is the Fitbit Surge. Okay. And um, I like it because it's got a, a swipe screen. But I would recommend, I get asked all the time, like, what's the wearable I should buy? Just buy the Fitbit Charge. Don't even buy the HR. Buy the $100, $88 Fitbit charge because that'll allow you to track those four pillars that make the most difference in people's lives. Awesome. Well, I was going to ask that, of course, because people were like, well, what, what should I get? So the Fitbit surge, oh, I'm sorry, charge. You're, you have the surge, which is like a $250 one, right? And Yeah, it's the heart rate monitor and everything. Gotcha. And so you have the charge, that's a, a $100 one. 
Or you recommend uh-huh. the charge? Okay. I think Sorry. so, man, because I, and Fitbit's going to kill me right now, but I don't care. I don't have any affiliation to Fitbit. I just think they were first on scene. I think they're kind of the grandfather. I did an AB split test. There's a company called Skosh and they use the, the radial pulse or they use the brachial pulse. The Fitbit uses the radial pulse. So the radial pulse is 10 beats or more not in congruence with the brachial pulse. So mm. the, the radial and the brachial don't match because the further away from the heart you go, the less accurate the heart rate's gonna be, especially in heavy activity where you have slipping on the wrist and sweat and all these different things. A true heart rate measurement is at the chest or at the brachial pulse, I believe. So I think that these devices, they're cool, they're exciting. They're just not as accurate as people need. And I only think the people that would use these heart rate monitors are the ones in that third category, you know, maybe the second, the weekend warrior or the advanced athlete. For the general population, there's really no need for the wrist-based heart rate tracker. Yeah, great. Well put, because I do use a heart rate monitor, so I guess I'm a little bit off there. So I use HRV, but I have to use my heart rate monitor for it. And I do use a heart rate monitor to gauge heart rate intensity when I go out and and I do HIIT HIIT training or even aerobic training. Very cool. And what would you say about apps? If someone wanted to fool around with some apps for dialing in their health and just kind of general, obviously very open-ended, not specific at all, but what would you say would be the most user-friendly or impactful one that they could play with? I think from the very beginning, if people are unclear as to why they need to lose weight or why they're going to let go of old weight, as we say, it's having the intention of why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. What applications are out there that can make us more clear on why we're letting go of the weight in the first place? And then, of course, for letting go of the weight, there's other powerful apps too. But for that why, you need to have silence and still time. If you don't have time for reflection, if you don't have time to sit still and figure out what your why is, it's going to be challenging to figure out the why. So I believe that meditation applications are a way for people like myself that are very like analytical. They're a way for us to say no. They grab us by the shoulders. They sit us down and they say, sit there and breathe and think about what it is that's important for you today, this week, this month, whatever it is. So I like the Muse. The Muse is a brain sensing headband. It tracks my activity in my brain while I meditate and it gives me a report of how I did. So it tracks my alpha, beta and theta waves and it lets me know, hey, was I in recovery? Was I able to pull myself out of erratic thinking? And it'll show me the quality of my thinking. It'll actually allow me to quantify not just how long I meditated, but the full quality spectrum of the entire meditation session. So I definitely recommend that. It's a little expensive. I think it's around 200 and some odd dollars. I do have a discount code on my site. And by the way, I'm totally saying that I get, I'm an affiliate because I love, I love the product. But there's also free apps. There's also Calm and Headspace and all these different applications that'll walk you through how to meditate. You don't need the, the fancy piece unless that's where you want to go. You can just start understanding what it is to be still and breathe and meditate. That's the number one thing that can give people the direction for where they're going to go. Use that piece of technology for meditation and mindfulness tech and then start transferring over to the fitness and wellness apps. Well said, man. I, that was such a great answer. And especially for our, our on-the-go society and all the people listening to Legendary Life are probably like, yeah, I got to listen to Legendary Life while I'll exercise and do all this other things. And I got to do my productivity. And, you know, they're on the go, hard charging. 
and we need that. And like you mentioned, you're not the type of, you're a very analytical guy. It's hard to just sit there and light the incense with a, a statue of Buddha and a, someone <laughs> I gonging. <laughs> I love, I got a, a few as well. Yeah. I love that stuff, but it can be very difficult to do. So I'll have all that on the show notes. Uh, Josh, I have two more questions. One is what worries you about technology and its effects on humanity? What, if anything, worries you about technology and its effects on humanity? That's a powerful question because I referenced the sword earlier, you know, the, the double edges. I mean, there's absolutely a side that's harmful. Absolutely. Like technology is a gift. It's basically a extrapolation of our intelligence. We've created this technology. It's amazing. But with that creation comes a tool set. And the tool set can be used for harm or it can be used to heal. I mean, look at a hammer. You can build a house with a hammer. You can also kill someone. So it's like, look, it's, it's the intention behind the tool. I have to lay that foundation against the intention behind the tool. But what scares me is with this wearable tech, if somehow the insurance companies or somebody figures out a way to kind of big brother monitor people and say, mm. oh, well, Janet Smith doesn't get enough steps, so we're raising her premium. I don't think that's going to happen unless certain people get elected to presidency. I don't want to go there right now, but I think you know who I'm talking about. And so I believe that if the, if the data is owned by the person and the data is ownership, central ownership of the human being's body that created the data in the first place, then we'll be safe. But if that data is able to be owned by another company and not be shared with the participant, I mean, that's scary because then all kinds of weird stuff that can happen. Right now, though, I have full access to my own data. So I'm not worried about that. Okay. Yeah, something to keep in mind, not just with technology, but you brought it back to, right, the intention behind it, the intention of other people, the intention of other people to exploit others' data to... To make a profit. Unfair, right. To, to, make, make, to make a buck off of someone's unique life situation that they have no other context for other than data. What CEOs love the most is data. Right. So, I mean, we're, we're like CEOs of our own life. Well, if a CEO of a health company knows that they can just use a wearable to increase or decrease premiums for people, it becomes an incentive for people to be healthy. But let's be real. Like you and I, the mission of Legendary Life, like what you're doing, what I'm doing, it's not as if we're the majority. We're the minority in America, the absolute minority. We're growing, we're helping, we're doing, we're being. But at the same time, I mean, we have communities in America that don't even know what a wearable is, don't even know what a podcast is. Like this is the, the far, far majority of people that, that could be taken advantage of, you know, because they're just, they're not savvy in that way. So let's get the information to them so that they know what's going on. Oh, I'm all about that. Wow, that could op open up a whole nother thing. I heard a great talk the other day that poverty is caused by information asymmetry, meaning people don't have access to the information. It creates poverty. And this was by a professor of entrepreneurship when I was at the TEDx Boca Raton here in Florida. Man, and what you're saying is exactly that. People who don't have the information, which most people don't, they're still watching the local news or the 24-hour news outlets, and they're not listening to your show, my show, or other of our friends' shows who are on this path to raise up others so that, right, 
give them the information. Well, cool, man. I want to end on a positive note. First of all, where can people find you? I've mentioned wellnessforce.com. You're obviously on iTunes, Wellness Force Radio, Josh Trent. Anywhere else that where you want people to go? Yeah, you know, we talked about some awesome things today in regards to using technology to leverage people's health. If any of that resonated or if you're like, this Josh guy's, you know, full of BS, then write to me. Like, I want to know what you think because my mission to reach a million people won't happen without honest feedback. So please write me. It's Josh at wellnessforce.com. It's Wellness Force all over social and Facebook and Twitter and all these different things. If you're open to it too, you know, I was thinking there might be some people that want to put on muscle. I created a guide on how they can add muscle with these different devices for, for wellness. And I'd love to share that with your audience if you're open to it. Absolutely. So they can go to wellnessforce.com slash free guide and they'll get that. It's just a one page PDF. They can check out these devices and see if it's a fit for them. So it's wellnessforce.com slash free guide. Great. And I'll have that on the show notes. I'll have Josh's email as well as in addition to all the resources that Josh listed today and everything we talked about. So cool, man. You and I, we, we've got to hook up and have a, we've got to I hang agree. out I agree. over some green juice and, and talk Coast, about West this Coast stuff. connection. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But for right now, I want you to, usually I ask the guests for some inspirational words, but I want to ask you something different. I want to ask you what excites you about the future of wellness technology? Where do you see us going that excites you inside? I think it's going to be a case where this tech and the growth of this tech allows people to start feeling more, allows people to be more emotionally present, to be in touch with what's really important to empower human relationships and not in a granola kind of way. I'm talking about like in a tangible, actionable way where we already use social, we already use the internet to connect, but I think gamifying, having fun with tech, making health and fitness fun again, competition friendly and healthy again, that's what technology can do. And I'm excited about that, not just from a activity perspective, but from a mindfulness perspective too. So that's really what's up for me and exciting for me. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much for spending your, your time today, sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us on all things tech, sharing your journey. You're an awesome guy. I can't wait to connect in person. Thank you again for being on the show. Such a pleasure. It was a joy to be on the show and I believe so much in what you're doing. So it was an honor to be on Legendary Life. Awesome. I know that this is just the start. We'll have to have you back on again. 